After the holidays and now the Super Bowl, some of us have realized that we've expanded our horizons a little bit, and uh, many are uh, kind of trying to drop a pound or two. I even heard of a workplace that had a contest going in very healthy ways, looking for ways to drop some weight. This week I heard about uh, a particular man who was a little overweight, and he decided that uh, he would tell his workplace about what he was going to do, so that they kind of keep him uh, under control a little bit and kind of, uh, you know, um, help him to be accountable. And he was doing very well until one day he walks in with a huge coffee cake. And when they saw, the people in his workplace saw it, they thought, oh, no, what's happened? So they said to him, uh, what, what's this all about anyway? And he, and he knew that they were going to uh, give him a tough time. And so he was ready for them. And with a big smile on his face, he said, oh, this is a very, very special coffee cake. And then he went on to say, you know, these last several weeks, I've been uh, going a different way to work so that I don't go buy my favorite bakery, which used to be my nemesis. And he said, but somehow today I, I, I was thinking about something else, and, and I took the old route and went by the bakery, and, and as I looked at that window, I saw all of those delectable goodies, and he said, I wondered, maybe God really wanted me to stop. And so he said, I decided I would pray about it. And he said, I prayed, God, if you want me to stop, make sure that there is a parking spot in, right there in front of the door. And he said, guess what happened? After the eighth time around the block, <laughs> there was a parking spot right there. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not sure that God works in prayer quite that way. Yet I do believe that prayer is at the very center of who we are and what we do as followers of Jesus Christ. Conversely, without regular, consistent prayer, our lives as Christians are bland and lifeless. It's as if we're going through the motions, but not experiencing what we hoped would be our experience when we started the journey of faith. As we continue this series of messages on Renewed by the Spirit, I believe that it is the indwelling Holy Spirit who wants to help us find meaning and new energy in prayer. It is the Spirit who draws us to God in the first place, and it is the Spirit who wants us to walk with God on a moment-by-moment -moment basis as we live our lives. While there are several passages in the Bible that we could use to discuss being energized by prayer, I would like for us to turn our attention to the sixth chapter of Ephesians. Now, you might know that Ephesians is especially written to the church of Ephesus, of course, and it's written to churches in general. And the first three chapters give us a foundation, a theology of what the church should be all about. And then the last three chapters give us the practical living out of that faith, the practice of being followers of Christ. What I'd like to do is begin in about the 10th verse of that last chapter and read the familiar metaphor that uh, many times we, we've tried to visualize. I remember as a child trying to visualize this. That is the whole armor of God. 
and the way Paul so uh, vividly portrays that. Now, as we think of that whole armor of God, for them it was a very meaningful metaphor in that they saw soldiers on a daily basis who were in armor. But he then, at the very end of that metaphor, talks about prayer. He shares the idea that, that if we are going to be successful in living the Christian life, standing firm, then prayer is crucial. In fact, one famous Bible commentator wrote that prayer is the greatest weapon of all. Please follow along with me as I read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against uh, flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, on, put on the full armor of God, so, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the, gospel, the, the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. May God add his blessing and understanding. May God add his application for each one of us in the reading of his word today. Please join me now in prayer. God, in the stillness of these moments as we spend this time together, I pray that it might be well spent. I pray that as we dig into your word together, that we might see truths, that we might experience nuggets of understanding that will help us not only today but in this week to come. God, help us to be people who are prayer warriors, people who are about the business of spending time with you on an hourly basis as we live out our lives. Speak to the preacher and the people alike today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe as we look at this passage that we see three very important truths about prayer that, uh, that are important for us as we think about praying in the Spirit and being energized. First, I think we see that we can pray on all occasions. In other words, our prayers should be constant. We should always be in an attitude of prayer. That means in all circumstances, in all seasons of our lives. I mentioned previously on another occasion that 
When I was a kid, I had an opportunity to win my way to camp by learning Bible verses. Well, they didn't tell us which verses, so I immediately looked for the shortest. The first one that I learned was Jesus wept, John 11:35. But two other ones that I learned that fit here are from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 17 says, rejoice evermore. That's the whole verse. And then verse 18 says, pray without ceasing. Important for us. If Paul were here this morning, and we might say to Paul, well, Paul, you know, that's great rhetoric. That makes for wonderful copy, Paul. But that's not easy to do, to pray without ceasing, to have an attitude of prayer. And Paul would reply, tell me about it. I've had some really difficult days, he would say, that I found it not easy to be rejoicing and to pray. It didn't come easy for me at first, I think he would say, to be in a constant attitude of prayer. But the more I prayed, as if Jesus was my constant traveling companion, the more peace and joy I experienced. Think about it, my friends. We are often brought to our knees, and that's by, by all kinds of conflict and crisis or difficult situations, and that's the reason we pray. We bring our deep concerns, pleading for God's deliverance and or intervention so that there might be a good outcome in that situation. And while we certainly do just that, God desires, however, that we bring all of our lives, every part of our being, to him. He really cares about you and me. It's almost as if we have one of these uh, Bluetooth on and, uh, or, or, or other kinds of devices that are there all the time whenever we're walking along. Have you, ever, have you been walking along and you see someone talking, you think, I wonder uh, if he's all there, and then you realize they've got one of those devices on? Well, what if we constantly had that, that uh, open communication with God so that we were praying on all occasions? When we really love someone, there's nothing too large or too small to bring to him or her. As a parent, it's always special when our child comes to us and asks for some kind of help or shares with us an important occasion in their life. Within a marriage, our relationship is the most healthy when we can bring anything at any time to our spouse. With the best of friends, there's nothing out of bounds in our conversation with each other. More than all of these, so it is with our gracious creator God who knows us and loves us more than anyone on this earth. Like our human relationships, we need to cultivate and grow in our relationship with God. But it takes practice. There was a man back in the Middle Ages whose name was Brother Lawrence, and probably many of you have heard about Brother Lawrence. And he coined the idea of practicing the presence of God in every situation of his life. Toward the end of his life, probably after he was kind of retired, he... Uh, found himself in the kitchen of a hospital, and if you can imagine that in the Middle Ages, a kitchen, what those hospitals must have been like, and there he washed dishes all day long. 
but he practiced the presence of God. He was in constant prayer so that before long, people started coming to him in a natural way, and we're still talking about him today. There was a man named Frank Laubach who was a missionary in the Philippines and found that his life was parched and dry and his ministry wasn't very fruitful. He heard about Brother Lawrence, and like Brother Lawrence, he began practicing the presence of God, being in a constant attitude of prayer, walking and talking with God and all that he did, wherever he went. And God blessed him immensely to the point that God allowed him to begin a literacy program which is being used around the world today. How about you? Are you praying on all occasions? If not, what's holding you back from starting? Maybe you spend a lot of time in your life in a place or a situation where, quite frankly, you don't think God would want to be. Or maybe where you don't think God would want you to be. If that's your situation, What changes may God be calling you to make in your life? When renewed by the Spirit, we can pray on all occasions. The next truth is what we can pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. Here Paul is talking about an intensity and a versatility that allows us to bring all kinds of prayer to God with a great sense of freedom and a sense of joy. As we, walk, as we walk on life's journey, praying continually on all occasions, then we will naturally come to God in lots of different ways. I found this to be so true on a daily basis. As I said earlier, it is natural for us to call upon God when things are bad. But I, I wonder, do we let God know how much we appreciate him? We start with adoration, and uh, as we think of adoration, we think of all who God is. And I want to tell you that uh, far too often as I come to God, I'm coming with a concern. I'm coming with a problem. I'm coming with something that deeply disturbs me. And I'm not thinking about God. I'm thinking about me. And I believe what God wants to do is turn our prayers upside down so that we begin by thinking of God, and it changes how we pray. For me, my mind wanders. I'm a, uh, a visionary who's always thinking in the future and to my own demise sometimes. And uh, so it's important for me not only to have a method or an order of prayer, but it's also important for me to journal. So I'm writing things down. And so for me, that's how I pray on a daily basis. As I begin with adoration, I start by saying, God, I love you and I'm grateful that you are the master designer. It means paying homage to God, adoring God. I'm grateful that you are all-knowing, that you're all-present, we could go on and on, all-powerful, that you are holy. It is so important for me to begin my prayers by thinking about God and not me. When I do that, I naturally move to the next step that we went to this morning, and that is confession. When I see who God is in a new and a fresh way, when I get a glimpse of him, then I realize who I am not. I like so much Isaiah chapter 6. When Isaiah comes into the presence of God, the first thing he realizes as he sees God and his greatness and his grandeur, 
he realizes that he's a man of unclean lips. And so there has to be a confession that takes place. Confession simply means that we admit to God that our attitudes and thoughts, as well as our words and our actions, displease and hurt God, as well as displease and hurt others. In so doing, I believe we can claim 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When confession is a genuine catharsis, we experience the soothing cleansing of forgiveness, the washing away of our guilt and shame, giving us hope for the future. After confession and an assurance of God's forgiveness, I cannot help but move then to the next part, which is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving means that I naturally express my gratitude and my appreciation to God for all things. Thanksgiving can go into so many directions as we realize all of the gracious gifts that are ours. I'm grateful for the way we're wonderfully made. I'm grateful for a great country and the freedoms we enjoy, for those who have fought and given their lives to ensure our freedom, for family and friends, for the family of faith, for brothers and sisters in Christ, for the gift of work, for struggles and obstacles which cause us to grow and depend more upon God, for hope which stretches past even our last breath here on this earth. And the list goes on and on and on as we give thanks for specific acts of love, kindness, accountability, and grace which come from so many who share life with us. And then finally, supplication, bringing our needs to God. Today, we're going to look just a moment, in just a moment, about intercession on behalf of others. But it also means bringing our own needs to God, the things that we are most concerned about, most fervent in bringing to Him. It may be a job situation. It may be a misunderstanding with a friend. It may be a decision which needs to be made. It may be discernment and trying to sort through a difficult situation. You may need help, understanding, sensitivity, compassion in a specific area of your life. As you may know, this kind of prayer, which we call acts again by that acrostic, is extremely helpful. Time and time again, I found that the order of bringing all kinds of prayer so helpful as I think about my normal attitude and turning it upside down. I often find that my concerns or my fears, which I might first come with, seem to be looked at in a different light when I go through this order. Renewed by the Spirit, we can pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. The third truth here is we can be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. In a world filled with people whom they love, and for whom they care, it's so important for the Ephesians to be alert to what's going on in their lives. Paul understands that it's easy to get wrapped up in their own concerns, so easy, and it's important to look at the needs of others. He's calling the Ephesians to lift their eyes from themselves and see the crying needs of others around them, 
whom they're called to encourage through their prayers. Are you continually alert, keeping your eyes open for the opportunities to lift up others in prayer? I once heard of a psychiatrist, a famous psychiatrist, who was speaking with a man who had come to him, and uh, the man was very discouraged about several issues in his life, and the psychiatrist felt that it would be important for him to follow a certain diagnosis. And he said, don't come back and see me again unless you've done this. His diagnosis was this, or his uh, prescription was this. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to go buy a dozen roses, and I want you to look carefully for people around you in the community, people maybe you've never met, and see what would happen if you gave them a single rose as a symbol of love. The man at first thought, I'm paying this guy this much money to do this? And then, dutifully, he followed the prescription. One rose here, another rose there, another rose there. And before long, his eyes were off of himself and his situation. Not to bury that situation. He had to deal with it. But he saw the needs of others. And he went back joyfully to the psychiatrist and gave thanks for that prescription. And to go a giant step further, what if you and I were alertly looking for others and doing more than giving them a rose, which would be important, but what if we were praying for them, bringing their needs to God, praying with them in some cases, and seeing them experience the sense of joy in God working in their lives? I observed that many of you may have the gift of intercession. We have a wonderful prayer team here, a prayer ministry. Some people have the gift of being able to intercede for others in a significant way. I believe my mother had such a gift. My mother was always alert and praying for others, especially in the last years of her life. She had never learned how to drive, and for the last 15 years of my mother's life, my stepfather had uh, had a stroke, was incapacitated, so he couldn't drive anymore. And so really, they were always dependent upon others. The last five years of his life, he was in a nursing home, so she was pretty much alone and couldn't get out and around very easily. And yet, she was never discouraged and down. The reason being that she had a ministry and that ministry was praying for others. She began by praying for all eight of her children in our blended family. And then she would pray for our children, and in some cases our children's children by name in as many situations as possible. She would pray for all of her friends. She would pray for missionaries. She would pray for pastors. She would pray for anyone, sometimes even people on TV. She prayed for them. She had a special ministry of interceding for others. She died the day after Thanksgiving, 2009. And I remember as I stood in the small funeral chapel, most of the people there were my family members, family members whom she had prayed for on a daily basis. And I said to them, who is going to take up the slack? 
Who's going to pray for each of us like she did? you got to watch it when you ask questions like that. Because I felt God right then and there saying, you are. And I want to tell you, it's been a wonderful blessing to remember by name each member of my family. I found great joy in praying for them. I don't know that I've done it as thoroughly and as faithfully as she did, but I feel so much more knit together even though I don't see some of them very often. It's interesting to note at the very end of this passage that Paul asks the Ephesians finally to pray for him, to pray for him in his imprisonment so that he will use every occasion to courageously share the mystery of the gospel in that less than perfect situation. When I think of prayer, regardless of how often, what form it takes, whom we pray for, it seems to me that it works like this. If my right hand represents God's will, his perfect will, his all-knowing will, and my left hand represents my will, what prayer does for me time and time again is not necessarily bring God to abandon his will and come down to my level, but what prayer does time and time again for me is little by little by little helps to raise me up and see things in a new light and be more in concert with God. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to help us to be renewed and energized through regular, meaningful prayer. There are no shortcuts, and we never outgrow our need for prayer. Prayer is simply sharing our lives with God, the God who loves us more than anyone ever could. Flowery words and the perfect setting are not important. Like a child pouring out his hopes and fears, joys and concerns, victories and defeats, we can bring our total lives to God. Oh, dear friends, the Spirit of God wants to renew you and me by helping us to be energized by prayer. Are you open to that possibility? Are you willing to have an attitude of constant communication with God and make it a priority in your life? Again, because I'm a dreamer, I need something as tangible as a journal that I'm writing in. I need an order like ACTS. Wherever you are on the spectrum, I challenge you, if your prayer is stale, to try something different, to mix it up, to come to God in new and fresh ways. In just a few moments after our final song, I want to give you an opportunity to pray with someone if you'd like to. In the very back over there by the cross, we have some chairs that are turned around, and members of our prayer team will be there. It is our privilege to pray with you about whatever you would like. I believe with all of my heart that God wants to use you and me to make a difference in our world as we are energized and empowered by prayer so that more and more effectively and completely we make a difference in the family of faith and in the world around us. Let us pray. God, thanks so much for the gift of prayer. We pray several times in a service like this, and sometimes we just take it for granted. 
And yet it shouldn't be something taken for granted. And you want it to be fresh, to be joyful. You want it to be something in which we find energy on a minute-by-minute and day-by-day basis. Oh, good and gracious God, continue to speak to each one of us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.